following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Mick Shots. Streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. Are you ready for some football? We've got some football <laughs> at the Star in Frisco. First practice of the Mike McCarthy era is in the books, and Mickey Spagnola was right by the field to watch it. Well, he was sort of. He had a, in fact, Mickey had a bird's eye view of it, better view than anybody around. Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. Bill Jones, Everson Walls, Mickey Spagnola. And Mickey, it's supposed to be a high of 105 degrees today here in Dallas-Fort Worth. I think it was around 82 degrees when the Cowboys put, took the practice field at 8 o'clock this morning. So, And it was outdoors at Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. But wouldn't it be COVID-19 <laughs> and it is the hottest day in at least two years in Dallas-Fort Worth when the Cowboys have their first training camp practice how about that and bill and everson that's a a a very good reason why mike mccarthy started this practice at eight o'clock in the morning uh because uh my thermometer here in frisco said 83 i think when they finished it was about 85 and they 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 had a two-hour window but they finished in an hour and a half so it wasn't that bad and uh, one thing to remember they've got four tents out here and Judging from uh, these big piping things from behind them, they must be refrigerated. So there's some air conditioning in there. <laughs> and when they took a break uh, at, at uh, 9 o'clock, everybody went into the tents. So that's why I assume they were cooling off. So they're trying to combat the heat. Uh, and when you said I had a bird's eye view, bird's eye is right because uh, we're one level up and I'm watching out the window from my desk because we could only have uh, one person out on the field and uh, Rob Phillips uh, took that honor today so the rest of us watched from uh, high above. But, uh, you know, it's a little different and, and you guys are going to laugh at this. I used to judge my eyesight during these OTA practices where we're, you know, could be 100 yards away from the other end of the field where guys are working, and I can see my eyes fading. So I said, okay, now I need glasses, right? Well, now I need binoculars. So i got to alternate between my glasses and my binoculars just to watch practice. So a little bit challenging, but guess what? We're here at the star, and uh, there was football on the field. And Nick, you, this is I, this I, is your first time back at the Star, and I mean, this week is the first time back since uh, the pandemic began, right? Well, think about this. So I came back yesterday just to see the protocol of how to get in, what I have to do, uh, get my temperature taken, answer a few questions, make sure my mask is on, and I, I went and sat at my desk, right? And I kind of looked around, Bill and Everson, and. Uh, you know, there was a little clutter there, and no one cleaned it up, right, all this time. And then I looked at the calendar, and the calendar was still turned to March when time stood still. And wow. I could see my notes. <laughs> pretty deep, desk bags. And, and, and I deep. saw the notes on my, on my calendar, 
And the last one I had there uh, was Wednesday. I think it was March 24th. So that would have been the last day I was here. I counted it up, and it was 140 days since I had been here uh, at the Star. So, yeah, it's been a while. Well, I flew for the first time this past weekend. and Oh, you brave a, soul. That, that was a harrowing experience, I must say. Uh, and it was a little bit crowded as well. So, yeah, it's, this is a different thing that we're dealing with, guys. And, and that's one, uh, I think, uh, a factor that we really didn't uh, figure into, I don't think, is, you know, when you look at the NBA and you look at how some teams are adjusting better to the new schedule, uh, to the new venue than others. You know, you got the Phoenix Suns are breaking out, they're undefeated. And you've got some teams that are just really not adapting well at all. You have baseball having to deal with fragmented scheduling and things of that nature. I wonder with the short practices, no preseason, if I'm not mistaken, uh, just not getting into pads, how the, the team that adapts the best and the quickest, it may surprise you on the ones that are able to do that. Because when you look at this season, you know, I guess they're going for a full season. But the preparation for it, the time leading up to it, I think it's extremely fragmented as well. And I'd be interesting to see how many injuries you're going to look at, uh, how many people are going to look like they're a little rusty, some out of shape even. So I'd, I'd be very interested to see how that's going to work out. And so uh, it's pretty important, guys, to point out that while – there was football practice. It was basically a mini-camp practice. Helmets, shorts, jerseys. So uh, they don't put the pads on, or they can put the pads on on Monday. So whatever they did today and whatever they do Sunday, uh, it'll be uh, in, in as a mini-camp OTA-type practice. So they won't be hitting. And they don't have to put the pads on Monday. They get 14 padded practices over uh, 20 days once uh, Monday arrives. So uh, they're going to try to ease into this. And they've been doing conditioning out on the field, uh, but not going up against anybody. Today was the first time. It, it's a very totally different thing when you try to get that, that timing yes. down. You know, yes. when you try to get that timing down, it's, it's totally different. Uh, I don't care if you're a veteran or if you're a rookie. You know, you gotta you gotta get some licks in first, and you gotta have to get a lot of them in. And, and we probably need to, to, and we probably need to qualify things because they were kind of going three quarter speed, maybe, and there was hardly any. There wasn't really contact. It's like the offense and defensive linemen would come up and just kind of hit, but not not anything physical. Uh, there wasn't really anything physical in the secondary of the linebackers. It was touching up. Uh, so you're going to hear different things about what took place and an interception that was thrown, but let, let's qualify this, okay? Let's, let's <laughs> not get too excited. You know, I, I think the interesting thing about it uh, from an injury standpoint, you know, we, we see a lot of uh, uh, injuries in normal years when, when training camp gets started, muscle pulls, that sort of thing. and. Uh, with the way things worked out this offseason where they had no offseason except on their own working out, 
and and really the veterans. You know, now the rookies got in a week earlier than the veterans, but the veterans have been there since August 1st, basically, at the facility uh, doing strength and conditioning and walkthroughs and, and so forth. Uh, and the fact that they don't have preseason games that they have to prepare for initially, they can afford actually. Even it, it sounds strange, they can afford to to ease them in a little bit more, and they need to ease them in a little bit more uh, just to make sure so that I think they Bill's don't have those injuries. A, a few uh, connection problems yeah. right now, um, but yeah. And when you mention injuries and stuff, I guess I should probably give you guys an update. Uh, they did take. Tyrone Crawford uh, off of physically unable to perform. So uh, he's off a of pup, and he was able to practice uh, today. This was his first day. Uh, Don Terry Poe is still on it. Uh, he was working uh, with Britt Brown uh, on the resistant cords. Uh, so they're taking his a little bit slow. He had a, I believe it was a hamstring injury uh, to end the season. So they're bringing him back slow. Brandon Knight was over there working with Britt. Uh, along with Lael Collins. So uh, from an offensive line standpoint, it was basically what you would have thought, uh, with the exception of Collins not being at uh, right tackle. Uh, it was Wyatt. <laughs> some guy I never... Some guy I'd never heard of before, okay? <laughs> it was Wyatt Miller. Wyatt Miller. See, Wyatt I had his Miller first name. working at right tackle. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, so from an injury standpoint, though, they were in, they were in uh, pretty good shape because everybody else uh, was out there. Uh, so I guess I, since I brought up the offensive line, Tyrone Crawford, uh, Connor Williams, uh, Connor McGovern kind of uh, rotating there, Joe Looney at center, uh, Martin at right guard, and then Wyatt Miller at right tackle. Yep. All right. Uh, okay, let's talk about who's not there yet because that was the breaking news on Wednesday night. We got so much of uh, Mickey's observations about what he did see from his uh, bird's eye perch there at Ford Center. Uh, but uh, let's talk about the uh, na- the guy that's named after Everson. Everson Griffin. Uh, as uh, Of course, uh, Jerry has his state of the team address earlier in the day on uh, Wednesday. And then on Wednesday night, the breaking news, the Cowboys sign the pass rusher that they needed to sign. Uh, one year up to $6 million deal, $3 million base reportedly. And Everson Griffin is a Dallas Cowboy. Now, uh, he has to go through his... Uh, COVID testing, I believe a couple of uh, negative COVID tests, and he could be out on the field as early as Tuesday, I believe. Is that right, Mickey? Yes, absolutely. He's got to have the basically probably tested today, will test tomorrow, uh, and then test again on Monday. And then if he gets the three negatives, he's allowed to be back on the field uh, on Tuesday. So, uh, you know what? and I'm going to cut right to the chase. They've signed a bunch of guys this offseason that have been former pro bowlers. Uh, this guy was a pro bowler last year. And uh, I think this might be their biggest offseason veteran pickup uh, of everybody they've signed. I know Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, ha, ha Ha Clinton Dix. But this guy was productive. He had eight sacks last year. And, and, and this is the key thing for me, and, and you guys know Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer doesn't mince words, and he doesn't just say stuff to say stuff to be politically correct. So when he came out 
several weeks ago and said, we want Everson Griffin back on this team. We want him here. Then to me, that kind of qualified that this guy still got something. Ten years in the league, 32 years old. I'll be really interested to see what uh, he's able to do once he gets here. find that out oh apparently we lost everson apparently we lost everson so just when uh, it was important because i wanted to yeah, find out bill right. how he how he knew <laughs> he was named after Everson Walls. Yeah, we'll, we'll get Everson back here shortly. Yes, got you. <laughs> and uh, but I I agree, Mickey. Though that uh, that uh, Everson Griffin is the key signing uh, of this off season uh, defensively, and uh, oh, you know one of the things about uh, the Vikings. Uh, my guy in the draft a few years ago, Daniil Hunter, plays on the other side for the Vikings, has about 50 sacks early in his career. And probably one of the big reasons that Daniil Hunter has as many sacks as he has is because Everson Griffin has been on the other side. And he's averaged, Griffin has averaged 10 sacks a season over the last uh, six years. But Everson Walls back with us now. And, you know, he was a, uh, Everson Griffin was a fourth round pick out of USC and yeah. has had some issues along the way. But um, as, as long as he is on board and uh, and healthy, he sounds just like his namesake. I had a few. Right? <laughs> he sounds just like his namesake. I had a few issues along the way as well. So uh, <laughs> that was part of the course. But but I can't say that early on. You're right, Bill. He did have some issues. He had to grow up a little bit. Uh, had some issues off the field as well. And then all of a sudden, he got it. And I really think that had a lot to do uh, with Mike Zimmer. Uh, I think Spags, you mentioned him earlier. Uh, I think that that defense, we saw it, how well they played against the Cowboys last year, uh, how, how they, they had these great athletes on the defensive line, and they were the catalyst uh, for that success on that defense. One thing I like about him coming from Minneapolis, uh, from Minnesota here to here is I like how uh, with, with uh, uh, the, the new defensive coordinator, uh, Nolan, that we're going to have, I think, the similar style uh, of very unpredictable blitzes, uh, which will allow things to open up for your defensive linemen as well. More aggressiveness, of course. You know, I was always complaining about the Cowboys' defense previous years. I think we're going to get back to the aggressiveness uh, that we need, and that's, that really poses well for uh, Everson. <laughs> so, Everson, two questions for you. One... How did you find out he was named after you? And two, how many other Eversons have you run into in your life? Well, uh, my old agent, Steve Weinberg, you know, he was a, a pest to uh, Gil Brandt and Tex Ram for quite some time as uh, my representative. Uh, he was still out there, you know, trying to make, make his, make his uh, name, get his name out there and get some clients. 
And he was the one that uh, approached Everson Griffin and asked him the question. And his parents just happened to be major cowboy fans. And I, I don't know, maybe the uniqueness of my name, uh, uh, but the, the parents themselves, they settled on uh, calling him Everson. Uh, a lot being a Cowboy fan, but of course being an Everson Walls fan as well. So I knew about him as he was coming out of USC, and it was pretty cool. So of course, you know me, I have to do a search on how many Eversons are out there. You know, so I've, I looked it up a little bit and went on Facebook, of course, and uh, there's a few. Uh, one guy, uh, I know it's, it's one Everson. I had a picture sent to me back in 1982 and a young kid named Everson Eiders Marsh. He was, it was mailed to my home and he was uh, also uh, named after me. And I've also been named as a one, one of two twins uh, just recently, was born right before this whole COVID thing went. So what's the story behind your parents naming you Everson? Oh, we lost Everson again. You know, one of the things, uh, uh, Mickey, you may recall this, early in Everson's career, uh, TV broadcasters uh, oftentimes mistook his name and would call him Emerson Walls instead right. of Everson Walls. You remember like that? Like Emerson Boozer? Yeah, Emerson Boozer. That's exactly what I was thinking of. Uh, but Everson Griffin is a great pickup, I think, for this team. And really, Mickey, uh, when you look at what this team has done, uh, let's let's go this route on this. Think about Dak Prescott's contract and the $31.4 million because he is franchise tag. I think you give a lot of credit to the way Stephen Jones and the Will McClay at the Cowboys, they have worked this roster this offseason where they, even though they knew there was a possibility that uh, Dak was going to count that much against the cap. They have managed this roster and the salaries on this roster to the point that here, as training camp starts, they're able to bring on a big-time veteran talent at a position of need and sign him and, and have that kind of money available uh, because there's not a lot of teams that could, that could do that. And when you're, you know, you're thinking that, okay, you might be able, you, you know this contract that you, you, you're trying to negotiate with your quarterback, you might be able to free up some space. But for them to have the foresight that, hey, if we don't get a deal done, we still need money to add to this team, I give them a lot of credit to be able to do that. Yeah, and, and we have to remember, it's kind of a one-year prove-it deal, sort of what they did with Robert Quinn last year. And and it, it's it it's will count three million for sure. It's guaranteed, and then he has a per game bonus that can count another three million if he gets all the games. So basically, for potentially six million dollars, they got a replacement for uh, at least a replacement that played last year in the league at a high level for Robert Quinn, who was counting, if, Bill, if I remember, it was like seven and a half million maybe last year or something like that. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's kind of a sweetheart deal. Uh, and obviously, you know, he opted out of his contract that he had going in Minnesota to allow him to become a free agent. And uh, he took that deal and played for less last year. Uh, so yeah, it, and, and look at it this way. Coming into today, that right defensive end spot had a big question mark up there, right? Uh, and I'll tell you how they lined up today over there. 
Alden Smith lined up with the first team at right defensive end, and he hadn't played any football since 2015. And by the way, he's wearing 58, and they've got him listed at 280. He doesn't look from my bird's eye view more than 260 pounds. He looks just really? the way you're supposed to look at defensive end. And then because of, I'm guessing, uh, them signing Everson Griffin and counting on Alden Smith, Tyrone Crawford, who I mentioned came off a of pup today, he was the other first-team defensive tackle with Gerald McCoy since Don Terry Poe is still on pup. So that shows you the versatility of Crawford, but what they think of Alden Smith. And after that, then it's guys that, you know, didn't do much at all last year. So to bring this guy in and have a proven talent uh, and, and put a rotation there, uh, I thought it was huge. You know, I, to hear what you say that he looks more like he's 260 than 280, I think that is really encouraging because, you know, there, the, there were the reports after the Cowboys signed him that he was like 285 pounds or something. I said, if he's 285 pounds, then he is he's more of a five technique than he is <laughs> an, an edge rusher. And uh, to hear, But to hear that he looks like, to Mickey's bird's eye view, closer to 260. And I haven't seen the official weight that he added at his physical. Uh, but uh, I think that is really, really great news uh, to hear that he's in that kind of condition. Yeah, I, yeah, it, I, it I think not with, with sloppy, him anyway, uh, he's got that great athletic ability. So right. he could probably just make, make 285 look like 260 because he's just been that exceptional. But what I like about what Coach uh, McCarthy's doing is he's bringing in the veterans. And the thing about bringing in veterans, you have guys you can trust. You, see, you understand? You want to make sure that you have guys that you can trust. And they may not always, you know, uh, play consistently necessarily every game because some of them are a little bit older uh, in, 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 uh, in their careers. But what you can look at is they will know the gravity of the moment. And that's one thing that Parcells has always done. One thing that Belichick has always done. They brought in veterans who understand the gravity of the moment. And you can trust them to be in, in position every time that you need a, a play done. And also, these guys can bring along uh, the young kids in there and make sure that they understand you know, what it is to be a professional. So I, I think what Coach McCarthy's doing, it's a great game plan, working with Will, working with McClay, and how he's uh, bringing these, these uh quality veterans in uh, and able to fit them under the cap. This is, this is looking pretty good, guys. When you, when you look at the entire uh, architectural p piece of it, it's coming together very well. Okay, if, if, if these 30-something uh, guys can stay healthy, I did the math on it. There's 15 Pro Bowls on this defensive line now. Wow. Demarcus Lawrence with a couple, Gerald McCoy with six, uh, Don Terry Poe with a couple, Everson Griffin with four Pro Bowls, Alden Smith one Pro Bowl in his career. I totaled it up. There are 15 Pro Bowl accolades on that uh, defensive line. That's a lot and, of playmakers. That's a lot of playmakers. Yeah. If, now That's we'll right. see. We'll see if they'll play at that Pro Bowl <laughs> level uh, as we get going here. All right, time to take a break here on Mix Shots. We come back with much more of Mickey's observations from his bird's eye view at Ford Center at the Star in Frisco when we come back. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. 
Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too right above the subway well i bet you don't even notice it after the that's my neighbor angus a deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with america's best network come into an at&t store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for zero dollars down based on gws1 score september 2019 back, back, back. to mixed shots What better time to go to DallasCowboys.com slash star to get your Star Magazine training camp preview. You can download it on the website for $4.99. You can get uh, scouting reports on uh, almost every player out here, every position. And, of course, my long takeout story on Mike McCarthy and how he started as a volunteer assistant at the University of Pittsburgh and now is the Dallas Cowboys head coach. Go to DallasCowboys.com slash star. All right, there is so much to get to. We're going to take you all the way up to noon and... um all right, we, we talked a lot about the defensive line and the signing of Everson Griffin. How about we switch to the offensive side? And if you're following Cowboys Twitter, by the way, uh, rules against, for the media, there are rules against being able to, to A, shoot video off their, uh, their camera, their phone uh, during practice, and they can't tweet during practice. And so you can always tell when practice is <laughs> over because the Todd Archers, Jade Slaters, David Moores, of the Clarence Hills of the world, they're all immediately, John Machote, they're all, they're all tweeting as soon as practice. So about 10.20 this morning, all of a sudden you start seeing all these tweets from practice. They, it's like they had these notes or they got the tweets loaded, ready to go, and then they can release them right when practice is over. It was funny. But one of the number one things, did Mickey, did you see C.D. Lamb with a one-handed <laughs> catch on the sideline? <laughs> all, I, all I know, Bill, and, and, and I remember uh, when they drafted C.D. Lamb, uh, my column right after that basically said, 
I can't wait to the first time the Cowboys line up on September 13th and Dak Prescott, you know, whatever the, the, the call is at the line of scrimmage, 381, 381, I said, I'm going to see Michael Gallup to one side, Amari Cooper to the left side, and CeeDee Lamb in the slot. Well, when they first lined up for the first kind of skeleton drill, that's exactly how they lined up. They're not messing around. Number 88 was out on the field with the first team uh, offense, and not only did he catch uh, a one-handed pass, but he was catching everything thrown his way. And you know the thing that impressed me most about it, guys, and you know, I, when, when you hear about a guy that has talent like that, you, you kind of think of a guy that's 5'11", 170. This guy's big. He's tall. He doesn't look like your average slot receiver, the little munchkin guy that can go in and out and real shifty. This guy's got some size to him. So, yes, uh, right away he was right there with the first-team offense. I, ever since, I love it when Mickey starts talking about little munchkin guys. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been a slot receiver if I had some speed. <laughs> you would have been a slot receiver maybe if you were born as another person. Yeah, that's probably what would have <laughs> No, but, but one thing I can say about C.D. Lamb, you talk about his, the style that he has, why he's so uh, uh, well fit for the slot. Uh, you know, when you think about a guy like Michael Johnson, uh, the way he ran track and the way his stride was so unique, it allowed him to have an advantage because he kept his feet on the ground. Uh, when you look at C.D. Lamb and you look at the, the score, the, the, the plays that he made uh, in college, one thing that you could see was uh, he was deceptively elusive. You, it didn't look like he was running as fast as he was running, just like Michael Johnson. But when you keep your feet on the ground, you have more power with, with each stride. So that's why he was able to break so many tackles, along with, of course, uh, his size that you just spoke of. So, you know, this guy is going to just fit right in with uh, the Cowboys' uh, offensive scheme. And uh, once again, I don't know how many games the Cowboys are going to win, but once again, they are going to be exciting offensively, and it's going to be a lot of balls going up in the air. So you, you can expect that to increase with the kind of talent that we just attained. And let me add one more thing about C.D. Lamb. When they were doing special teams, guess who was back there catching punts? punts. Yep. Yeah, yep. absolutely. And that's what he did at Oklahoma, too. Me being an OU alum, uh, I watched every one of his games in college. You know, when everyone was making a big deal about Marquise Hollywood Brown with the Ravens, who was a first-round draft pick the year before, uh, and what a, a terrific talent he is, and, and take nothing away from him, he is a terrific talent, especially as a deep threat, Antonio Brown's cousin. I said, well, just wait until C.D. comes out. Because I, I thought, you know, C.D., the first time I saw him at OU as a true freshman, I went, wow, who's that guy? And really, when you go back and look at what he did in high school at Houston, in Houston, unbelievable the numbers <laughs> that he put up in high school. And, and so he just continued that uh, into college, and I expect him to continue that. Now, there's only one football to go around, but I think uh, it, assuming that, that he stays healthy, uh, even without this offseason, I think he can be a guy who can make an immediate impact first game when the Cowboys open the season in L.A. against the Rams. Now less than a month from now, Mickey. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, he, he, he's going to be a guy that and, – and how about this? We've gone this far 
and I haven't said the quarterback's name yet, but I was going to say Dak Prescott pointed out when he when he was asked during his uh, conference call on on Wednesday with C.D. Lamb and Gallup and Cooper and Zeke, uh, do you have enough footballs to go around? And he said, I only need one football. And these guys, uh, they're, they're not greedy. Uh, they're not egotistical. They're team players. And, and, and that's the great thing about the group they have uh, because the, the flexibility they're going to have on offense uh, is going to be something we haven't seen in quite some time. All right. Do we have Everson back there? I think he's working on it right he's now. He's working on it. Everson have it. He's off right now. Uh, all right, you, Mickey, there's been a lot of talk about the chances that uh, the Cowboys could have a trio of 1,000-yard receivers. Um, and that, actually, they came very close to it last year, even with Randall Cobb. You know, if Randall Cobb, if he hadn't had those, uh, those big plays that were called back by penalty, the Cowboys would have had a trio of 1,000-yard receivers last year, right? That's why I, di- I didn't understand why everybody was astounded uh, that 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 was said uh, by my, uh, by Amari Cooper because you're exactly right. They they only came up like 170 yards short of having three guys last year. And then the other point was, well, if you have three 1,000 yard receivers, are you not giving the ball to Zeke? Well, Zeke gained 13 almost 1,400 yards last year, and they almost had three 1,000 yard receivers. And you're right, Bill. He had so many passes called back by penalty that were not on him, that I guarantee you it was at least 170 yards worth and probably a couple more touchdowns. So I think that, uh, you know, as, as Cooper said, you know, those are the expectations, and why not? You know, uh, another thing as far as the receiving core goes is Blake Jarwin. And I think, I, I think if Jarwin stays healthy, He's for sure doubling his receptions from last year. When you when you factor in that that Jason Witten always had at least 60 catches and Jarwin was, was in the low 30s last year, he's going to double that. But how about this, Mickey? When you look at the contracts being signed by tight ends, these receiving tight ends mm-hmm. around the league this week, George Kittle gets a, a he reset the market, 15 million dollars a year. Travis Kelsey. On the heels of that, gets an extension. He's now averaging $14 million a year. And one of the things the Cowboys did early this offseason, before free agency hit, of course, Blake Jarwin was a restricted free agent, they signed him to a three-year, $24 million deal, and that was a very shrewd move. Oh, absolutely. You know, and if you think about the, the, the plays he made last year, and he wasn't the primary tight end target uh, with Jason Witten. Uh, taking the majority of the snaps there, uh, their ability to stretch the field with the tight end. Uh, and again, you know, you go three wide, and I guarantee you that's going to be their base offense uh, for the majority of it. you got to take a linebacker off the field. So do you have a linebacker that can cover Jarwin? Do you have a, a safety big enough to cover Jarwin? And, oh, by the way, what happens if they hand the ball to Zeke? And you got a linebacker out of there trying to cover the tight end, and you got one linebacker trying to take care of the running game. So, yeah, I just I'm expecting big things from this offense, and I'd be disappointed uh, if that didn't happen. That's why I think the key to this entire season, as I've been saying, is how well this defense plays. 
And if they can up their game and actually get some takeaways, and if you remember uh, when uh, Leighton Vander Esch was talking about uh, you know the defensive plays, he said, "What this offense that we have, we've got to get the ball back to them." And imagine uh, if they can get some takeaways, if they can get some interceptions. Right? Can I get a cornerback to get half as many as Everson Walls had his rookie hey, season? I, of course, I said that all last year. Uh, as, as great as that offense was, we still needed – your offense is still going to need a defense. I mean, Joe Montana still needed Ronnie Lott and, 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 and Dean, Fred Dean. You know, he still needed uh, great defenses to set them up for the plays. Even Tom Brady, there were times when he actually needed some help from his defense, especially last year. This offense, even though our defense had great numbers, uh, for some reason we were always ranked highly, it was when we needed to make those plays. I think that's the difference. We have a defense now I think is set up to help these guys win plays. And when you start talking about uh, uh, our tight end, and, and I've always liked him and how, how well he played, uh, I think when you compare him to those other tight ends, he still needs to have a little bit more, uh, little bit more bulk because he needs to be a better b- blocker. If he becomes a better blocker, then you can put him up there in the category with those guys that just signed those big contracts. Because Jarwin, to me, one of the more athletic, especially down the field, tight ends that you ever want to see. So now you've got the, a chance to be a double threat, like Jason Witten, like Kittle, like Gronkowski. Those are the kind of guys you want to live up to. So he's got to improve that part of him to be the complete player that I, I think he can be. That, that's exactly right. And let me clarify my point. Assuming uh, because there was risk involved in that in signing Jarwin to that contract, but they they are betting on his potential. They they that's see right. that he's got that potential, and if they hit on him uh, over the next three years, he's making half the amount of money that the top tight ends in the league are making, uh, and right. and they're betting on him having that pr- production. It's also going to be interesting, uh, Everson, to see how much Mike McCarthy in this offense with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator are going to use the two tight end uh, formation, uh, twelve personnel. Uh, of course, they, uh, without Witten, they signed Blake Bell, who was Travis Kelsey's uh, backup at Kansas City, and they also have Dalton Schultz at uh, tight end. So it's going to be interesting. Also uh, a very decent athletic receiver as well. I like Schultz as well. Very good. Mickey, any other observations uh, uh, that you saw from the Yes, absolutely. Since we uh, started talking about takeaways and interceptions, uh, we're going to go right up Everson Wall's alley here and talk about the cornerbacks and the secondary, how they lined up. So the first skeleton drill basically was the same as when they went uh, uh, somewhat 11-on-11. Chidabe Awuzie was the first cornerback on the left side. On the right side, the first cornerback up uh, was Anthony Brown with Jordan Lewis in the slot. Uh, but as they moved along, uh, Joe Worley, the free agent corner the Cowboys signed, who started for the Ra- Raiders last year, uh, rotated in with the first team uh, at cornerback at, on the left side, and then the rookie Trayvon Diggs rotated in with Anthony Brown uh, on the right side. It was Haha Clinton Dix. 
uh, along with Xavier Woods at safety, and then Thompson and Donovan Wilson came in with the second group, which, by the way, Donovan Wilson picked up where he left off in training camp last year and picked off a pass, and I believe it was on Dak if my bird's-eye view was accurate. So uh, that's kind of how they lined up at cornerback. And, you know, Everson, I think that position there might be the most competitive position for playing time for starting jobs that the Cowboys might have because Darrell Worley was a, is, is a good corner. Chidobe Awuze, I, I keep hearing this about how they're going to move him to safety. Well, if they move him to safety, he he's not starting. So you got a guy that can start at corner and you're going to move him to another position. Uh, and then the right side, you know, I love Diggs when he had his first press conference and he comes out and says, when they ask him, what's your goal? He goes, my goal is to come here and compete and compete hard. He goes, I want a starting job. I love that in my corner. There you go. I yes. want you to be brash. <laughs> I don't want you to be meek, right? Uh, and, and then Anthony Brown, remember, they re-signed him to a three-year, $15 million deal, so they like him. And then everybody loves Jordan Lewis. Well, we'll see where he fits in. So I think there's five or six corners right now that are battling not only for starting jobs but for playing time. You know, I, I like the thing I like about the Cowboys, as much as I complain about the secondary, I always like the size that we had. Uh, you, you had Byron Jones, and now we still have Awuzie. Uh, you've got Diggs coming in, who's a, a very good-sized uh, cornerback. Uh, but when you start talking about making turnovers, it really, as far as the athletic ability is concerned, that's always going to be there. What you must have in the secondary is someone back there that can help you understand what's coming your way. The anticipation factor in the secondary has to be high. You have to expect certain routes to show at certain times of the game because you study. You have to expect that when your defense is dialed up and when that blitz is coming that you can maybe jump a route. You understand what your limitations are. You understand what your strengths are. So when you talk about making turnovers, you can be as physical as you want, but you still have to know what the heck that wide receiver is trying to do. So in order to make your plays, you must study, first of all, and you have to anticipate making a play. I think with Diggs, the way I play, saw him play at Alabama, he was able to decipher certain plays that the offense was bringing towards him, and he made the play. He saw what was coming. He sniffed it out, and he used his brain as much as he used his body. That's what we have to look at. Ha-ha Clinton Dix, same thing. Uh, a veteran that knows how to make plays, he could possibly help our strong safety. He could possibly help our cornerbacks understand the best way to play uh, that particular wide receiver because he's going to be where he needs to be in that secondary in order if they need help. So there has to be a cohesiveness in regards to getting interceptions. It has to be, come from an entire team standpoint. Is not from an individual standpoint, a team standpoint. And I think the important thing to remember about Trayvon Diggs, uh, he, he's got all this potential. He doesn't have much experience. He's, he started for a full season last year at Alabama. He was the starter the year before at Alabama, but suffered a broken foot and only was in six games the year before. Uh, and without an offseason, uh, I, th I think 
I think the Cowboys uh, this offseason by signing Worley and getting another veteran guy in there, it buys some time for Diggs. But if Diggs shows here, you tell me, Everson, over the course of the next month, even though he doesn't have games to play in, if he shows in practice that he can handle it, uh, he's got the talent, it looks like, to be able to handle it. It's just from a mental standpoint, right? Well, he's got to show him something special. I mean, you, once again, you've got athletes out there. All of them are great athletes. Brown is one of the quickest guys I think I've ever seen at the cornerback position in a long time. But if he's able to show that he can make plays in a special way, in a unique way that the other guys can't do, yeah, throw him in there. Come on, man. It took me, I'm still mad it took me five games to start back in 1981. I, I, was, leading the, I was leading the league in interceptions before I was able to start. I was still on the bench. Come on, man. Everson, what was your attitude? What was your attitude? You're a, an undrafted free agent out of Grambling. Your rookie year, you're playing with your hometown team trying to make the team. Did you have the, that same attitude that I'm going to start my rookie year? you damn right, Bill. Okay, let's be real about it. I was upset. I led the nation in interceptions. I go for a free agent. I was out for blood. Okay, I want to make sure to embarrass any wide receiver I came up against. Now, when I go up against Drew and, and Tony Hill, I was the one that got embarrassed. But they also knew I was going to be there. I was going. I, I, I knew that I could do something that the others could not do. They, I saw I was second. All right, we continue with more mixed shots in just a moment. Observations from Cowboys training camp, the first practice of the Mike McCarthy era in just a moment. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor! Angus. A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. To Dallas' frontline responders, thank you. To show its gratitude, Tide is offering free laundry services in Dallas to the families of frontline responders. Simply bring your laundry and your identification to Tide Cleaners and they will wash it within two days. One thing less for you to worry about. While you take care of us all, Tide will take care of the laundry for the families of frontline responders. To learn more and find a location near you, visit hope.tidecleaners.com. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer, where you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses. You can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. 
Essilor. See more, do more. Back, back to mixed shots. It's the first day of Cowboys training camp officially because the Cowboys were on the practice field at Ford Center, 8 a.m. According to the tweets that I saw from the beat reporters that were there, Mike McCarthy first emerged on the practice field at precisely 8.19 a.m. Is that what you had uh, on your clock, Mickey? I don't know that I was clocking Mike McCarthy, but I do know that when they when they started uh, the, the the stretching team stretch and everything the the quarterbacks and the offense and uh, I think most of the defensive linemen were still inside so I'm assuming they were doing that uh, in the Ford Center and then he came out with that part the offensive linemen and the quarterbacks who by the way Bill you asked me for observations the quarterbacks all had on red jerseys. Red jerseys. Oh, that was another thing that was trending on Twitter. The Cowboys quarterbacks have red jerseys on at practice. What a novel concept that a football team has quarterbacks in red jerseys during practice. <laughs> when somebody asked me, I said, does the red jersey protect them from COVID-19 too? Because <laughs> that's going to be most important. So I had to, I had to text Everson to find out because I can't you know we didn't other than training camp we didn't get to watch the Cowboys practice uh, back in the 80s uh, as I remember and so I needed to ask Everson if Tom put the quarterbacks in red jerseys and Everson you said I said yes but but as I recall uh, and I talked to Chris about this uh, before you guys uh, even came on uh, I recall maybe red vests I don't know about red jerseys, but I think they had red vests. Yeah, I think you're right. I think yes. There you yes. go. Yes, yes. Because yes. it didn't have a number on it. It just had a vest, right? Yeah, yeah. they just put the, put the, put the and vest And I don't on. remember the last time the Cowboys did that. I, I can't remember. I, I don't recall Parcells doing it because he always wanted everybody to be tough. So mm -hmm. uh, I don't know that he did it. And I couldn't remember if Jimmy put him on there or not. You know, maybe when Troy came back in 93 after his uh, uh, June uh, surgery, back surgery, uh, I believe it was, um, you know, maybe they protected him. And they basically, and here, here, here's how well Troy Aikman listened. So it's a preseason game, and they basically said, you know, don't run, da-da-da. And it's a preseason game, and he takes out uh, the pocket around the 10-yard line, because he's going to score a touchdown by God in a preseason game, and he dives for the end zone. It was his last play of that preseason game. Well, he got hurt after that, didn't he? Uh, later in the season, yeah, yeah absolutely. I think Stoddard uh, yeah. did the same thing. All right, Mickey, what are some other observations you had out there? Well, here's, here's, here's what happened at practice today. Tell us. Here, here's, what's, here's what's weird about watching practice from where we did uh, at my desk inside the star. There's no noise. It's quiet. You, well, you that'll know, be just like the games this year then. Right. It was just <laughs> quiet. Uh, the red jerseys, I also noticed, you know, normally they had one judge machine to, uh, to throw passes to the receivers or the DBs. They had eight of them out there. 
Now, I don't know if that was a protection thing so that everybody wasn't touching the same footballs or what, but uh, there were eight jug machines out there. Uh, and I mentioned Alden Smith. Uh, he's got some length, you guys, because he batted a pass at the line of scrimmage, and he didn't really have to jump. He just got his hands up and uh, knocked a pass down. Uh, so I did, uh, I did notice that for sure. Um, you know, I mentioned the cooling tents already, the fact that they took a break and they're kind of monitoring it. And there wasn't loud music, I don't think, was playing. At least I couldn't hear it. So, uh, so that, that, that uh, was noticeable. And I heard the music at the break, but that was really it. So um, I, I, I give you how guys lined up. The linebackers, obviously, Leighton Vander Esch, uh, Jalen Smith. Uh, and when they're playing nickel like that, it's kind of hard to tell who's in the middle and who's not. But uh, Leighton said he would be in the middle. Jalen was going to be on the, on the weak side. And one of the things I noticed quite a bit with Alden Smith, so he's playing that right defensive end spot, uh, a lot of times they just had him standing up. They didn't have his hand on the ground. So I don't know if that gives him a head start or what, but I thought that so was uh, is that a sign of a hybrid defense? <laughs> Uh, if it was, then they were off-centered because they had two defensive tackles, uh, and then uh, Demarcus Lawrence had his hand on the ground on the other side. I don't recall if Alden Smith uh, was was you know either did he favor either way uh, standing up. I, I, I recall him always with his hands down. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember. But you know the were, thing is, when even even with three four teams, when they're in the nickel, they're in a four man front and rushing, uh, just like a what you would see in a fourth in a four three defense. So, um, so and most of what we saw, Bill, they were in nickel defense. Yeah. All right. So, what do you make of uh, Layton in the base defense uh, moving to the middle linebacker? Oh, uh, I, I thought it was going to be a natural progression for him. Uh, his command uh, of the scheme, uh, his recognition, uh, and his ability, if you want your middle linebacker dropping into coverage, I think was better than Jalen Smith. You know, I know Jalen ended up going to the Pro Bowl, but I don't think that was his best year. Uh, so, uh, you know, what I, what I like the fact that day one, Leighton Vanderish was on the field. And remember, we found that out when we interviewed his agent, Ron Slavin. Gosh, that was a couple months ago, wasn't it, Bill? Uh, yeah, and he it was. Told, <laughs> and he told us that, uh, that, that Leighton Vanderish was ready to go. And, and, yeah, there was no limitations for him out there uh, either. You know, the other guy that, 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 that kind of showed up, two, two other guys, Tristan Hill, Looked like he kind of reshaped his body a little bit in the offseason. Uh-oh. And, and he seemed a little bit more active. And the one corner that we haven't talked about, I was talking with uh, Will McClay the other day. He said, don't go to sleep on Chris Westry. Remember, he was a rookie free agent last year, like 6'3", 6'4". And they, loved, they still love his size, even though he was on... Uh, the practice squad, and then I think he did. He ended up on IR. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, but they still like what, what his position ability. exactly? Spaz. Cornerback. What position? Cornerback. Cornerback. Cornerback at that size. Yes. Yes. Oh, interesting. So those were the things that, that probably 
uh, most stood out to me. But, yeah, the quietness of watching practice was a little different. You know, uh, uh, the other thing that people will be talking about on the offensive line, uh, Connor Williams was out there with the first team at left guard, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Mike McCarthy did say in the kickoff uh, press conference that, you know, it's Connor Williams, but we kind of got him ease him in there. We can't, you know, he's still not, gosh, is he nine months removed from uh, probably about, about nine months? It was into the nine or ten months. November. Yeah. From the ACL uh, surgery, so uh, so they, he took you know he was out there first, and then they rotated uh, Connor McGovern in there. Uh, I didn't see Beadish taking any first team snaps at center, uh, but I'm going to keep an eye on that one because as I keep saying, he's the only guy on this team that took considerable snaps at center last year on a football field, and that was at University of Wisconsin. I get it. But Joe Looney played guard last year. He really didn't get into the game much other than cleanup time uh, at center. So he hadn't played center since 2018. Everybody keeps talking about Connor McGovern had played center in college. Well, he hadn't played center at Penn State since 2017. So, uh, and Adam Redman, who they thought was going to be the backup center last year, uh, or at least uh, compete for it, ended up on injured reserve. He never played in a game. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly the, the rookie adapts at the center position. You know, when you, one thing about this, though, when you look at the, the injuries, uh, some that are completely healed, like uh, Tyrone Crawford coming uh, off the pup list, which is, man, God bless him. Uh, I feel so good for him. You look at Leighton Vanderish, uh, who has uh, completely healed uh, with his uh, neck surgery. Uh, I think the quick, well, really no preseason, but the, the quick training camp and early start of the season, I think that will bode better for those two. Uh, they won't have to get bogged down with a lot of practice. Uh, they don't have to worry about getting, you know, having to recover too much uh, from those injuries because they're going to be into the season so quickly. But when, when you look at someone like, like Connor, uh, He's not completely healed yet, so it would be the opposite for him. It's going to take him a while, I think, before he's able to get back into full strength. So it works both ways, uh, depending on where you are in your rehab. But uh, Van Der Esch and Crawford, I, I think it worked better for them than it did for Connor. Another veteran guy, the Cowboys uh, signed this offseason, Andy Dalton. How uh, strange was oh. it seeing Andy Dalton in a Cowboys uniform? <laughs> wow. It was, it was very nice to see him, and the thing that stood out to me about him is how accurate he is. His passes are right on the button. He does not miss guys, and, and, and he's splitting numbers. So it, he throws a very catchable ball. Uh, he, he, he's still moving well. Uh, and, and again, you know, we talked about the, the best uh, free agent signings on, on defense, what, what he brings to this offense, a veteran presence, uh, and a guy that probably makes you sleep a lot better at night if you're the head coach knowing that I've got a guy that's played in this league as my backup quarterback just in case. Uh, I, I think that was a huge uh uh, get for the Cowboys. You know, and it's another one of those things, you guys, that just kind of falls in their lap, right? You know, Everson Griffin, who thought the Cowboys could sign him, right? 
kind of falls in his lap. After making the Pro Bowl the previous season, that's yeah. even better. And, and who thought that C.D. Lamb was going to fall in their lap at 17 or Diggs in the second round? And then Dalton, because of his ties here, living here, and Cincinnati was ready to move on, he falls in their lap and he signs a one-year prove-it deal. How much more good fortune can you have? You know, when, you're talking about, when you're talking about veterans, they can take that one year and you expect them to do something with it. It's not like they need to, well, let me get the system down or whatever. You're talking about guys that are used to making plays, big plays in playoff games and championship games. So now you expect them to do the same thing for you. You know, with the signing of a three-time Pro Bowl backup quarterback in Andy Dalton with Everson Griffin, you can understand, and other signings from Gerald McCoy to Don Terry Poe, all these veteran guys, you can understand where Stephen Jones is coming from when he said on Wednesday that he feels like this roster and this, and this situation they have right now is as good to, to contend as they've had in five or ten years here. Yeah, absolutely, and I don't know if that caught everybody by surprise, but he's right. If you just look at the the veteran presence they brought in, along with the youth that they have and the guys they've been developing for the last three or four years, uh, yeah, it's it's a heck of a mix. And, you know, I would have to go back and look player by player by player, but Dalton might be the best backup quarterback they've had. How far back do you want to go? Since they had Dak Prescott as the backup coming in. The- <laughs> that doesn't count. <laughs> okay, since Tony Romo. Since Tony Romo was the backup to Dak. What, didn't, we have, didn't we have Berline at one point? What about Berline? I was going to go back to Berline. That's, That's where right. I was going. That's right. Berline was the man. Because Romo, when he was the backup, wasn't even proven, right? In the first year he was the backup, he never played. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't really play until he took over the starting job in, in – uh, uh, 2006, or yeah, 2006. Yeah. I was going to say you got to go back to Berline or Rodney Pete, uh, or, or, or I guess Wade Wilson, probably with experience that he had and the success he had the, the couple of years he was here as the backup quarterback. Don't forget you had Vinny in there too, and you had Bledsoe, and I, I believe only I believe Kozar. only Burline was the one that helped them keep that Super Bowl pace up as they went into the playoffs. I think they won the Super Bowl that year, correct? Well, yeah, he came he came in and uh, when well, that Troy, was no, before. that was the year the year before ninety one. They, they won five and, in a row, and then uh, they lost to the Lions in the playoffs in the second round. They beat Chicago uh, in the wild card yeah. round. All right, That's when Burline should have played. We could go on and <laughs> no, on. No, he did. He was this. terrible. <laughs> All right, we'll talk at you again next week. In the meantime, on Thursday, uh, Bill, I believe we're going to be back in our Thursday, same slot. eleven a.m. All right, and we'll see you next week here on Mix Shots. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?